Joining the show as he does every single Thursday is Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature for our Pro Football Scope. All the things you need to know about the National Football League going into Thursday night and the rest of the weekend. Barry, how are you doing? Well, it could be warmer. I see that it's in the mid-40s, <laughs> and I'm looking at the 10-day calendar, and a week from today is supposed to be in the, the low 20s here in Pensacola. And in reviewing all that, I came across a story by Tua Tagabaloa about the Dolphins playing in Buffalo tomorrow. Yeah. Um, there will be three games on the uh, – not tomorrow, but on Saturday, three games on Saturday – and he is stating that the cold weather is not going to be that much of an ink, uh, issue for them. You know, Tua was raised in Hawaii. He went to college in Alabama, and he plays for Miami. There's supposed to be nine inches of snow in Buffalo and in the 20s. <laughs> That's right. What, what does he mean it's not going to make a difference? He's trying to pump up some confidence in himself because when he walks out, on that field on Saturday, you're going to see the the breath coming out, your breath coming out in front of you, and it, it gets a lot colder when, nope. when when you see that, and then you look around and you see a bunch of snow. Well, and to your point, we might even get a I don't know, dare I say we have a white Christmas in Pensacola? I don't know if the snow will be sticking, but if there is any, but I, I wouldn't mind it. Of course, you know, being from Indiana, I haven't seen snow by my own two eyes in a couple of years now. Yeah, the last time we had any kind of snow at all. It was probably about 10, 12 years ago, and it rained, then it snowed, then it iced, and they closed all the bridges. That's oh, of how course. much we know about dri- driving on ice or driving in snow. They made an announcement on Channel 3 News. Bob Solarski <laughs> said, everybody just stay home for three days, and that's what we did. Oh, man. My, my mom once told a story when she was in college uh, with my dad as well in Texas that uh, it snowed there, and they, they closed everything. There were so many accidents because people just don't know how to drive in the snow. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very interesting stuff, and uh, won't have to worry about nine inches though, like what Buffalo is going to have. Uh, speaking with Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature, a lot of stuff to get into. I mean, how? Let Let's stick with the two East divisions here, NFC East and AFC East. I, I don't. I think we knew that at least the AFC East would be a pretty solid division. I, I don't know if anybody had them being maybe the best division in all of football on their bingo card, but the NFC East has also been very competitive. That one a little bit more unexpected than maybe the AFC East, but still, everybody thought it would be AFC West and maybe even NFC West, dare I say, the more the most competitive divisions, but instead it's both of the East divisions. Yeah, absolutely. And until last week, both of those divisions, the Eastern divisions in each conference, they did not have a losing record of any of the teams. Now that the, the Giants have kind of fallen off the earth, they they have a winning record. So does Washington. So does Dallas. So does Philadelphia. So they're really the only a division um, that has winning teams. Well, I take that back. The both uh, divisions in, have winning records. The Patriots are seven and six. The Jets have fallen off by losing two, and they're seven and six. It's it's still a race in the AFC East between Buffalo and Miami. Uh, I don't think the Patriots are going to catch them. The Jets have kind of fallen off the face of the earth. I don't think anybody's going to beat the uh, uh, beat the Eagles, although the Cowboys talk and act like they're going to. Yeah, we're going to talk about Micah Parsons. Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and tra- transition to that. My, my, what were your thoughts when you saw my, Micah Parsons, uh, first of all, having enough time to appear on the podcast, for one, but... Appearing on a podcast was asked about Jalen Hurts being an MVP candidate, and he said, is it, is it more Jalen Hurts or is it the team? And it's like, yo, that's a little bit of a shot. And then Jalen Hurts was asked about it, 
And he goes, look, I'm focused on, on the Bears right now. Like, look, I don't have any time to think about you or anything like that. Uh, it was a little bit of a shot, obviously. Those two teams don't like each other uh, regardless, but then something like this comes up. Do you think it was okay for Micah Parsons to say, or do you think this is a little bit of a low blow that if he doesn't play well in that matchup that they have here coming up uh, a week from Saturday, that he he's going to get exposed a little bit? Well, to say that Hurts is having a career year is an understatement. I mean, he's the first quarterback yeah. in NFL history to record double-digit rushing touchdowns in back-to-back seasons. Parsons is this year's Lawrence Taylor, I would say, that you can, as far as, not as far as body size, but as far as production and as far as altering the course of a game. Uh, Parsons did come out and state that he thought that he was the most hated man in Philadelphia, and maybe is, but he can single-handedly change a a game. The Cowboys are ranked fifth in defense right now, and it's mainly because of him. Yeah, I I would think that uh, he is the reason why why they can't stand him. Uh, Speaking of Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature, I I do think, too, and and to your point, both guys have been so good. And Jalen Hurts, would you put him ahead of Patrick Mahomes for the MVP race right now? To me, I think it's both of them, and there's a a fall-off until the next guy comes up. But right now, I think it's, I would still say Patrick Mahomes, but... If you want to go based off team performance as well as career performance, J- Jalen Hurts would be your guy. I think if I was to pick five guys, it'd have to be Patrick Mahomes first. I think I would put Justin Jefferson number two. Okay. I think then it's going to be a toss-up with the next three between Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins. Now, I know it's odd and very unusual to have receivers or running backs in the MVP conversation. And the reason behind that is their stats are not as as eye-popping as quarterback stats are. When you got guys that are throwing for 4,000 uh, you know, yards a year, and then they're throwing for 30-something touchdowns with only seven interceptions, those statistics are just so out there that there's no way that somebody that gains 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns as a receiver can compete with that. Yeah, I think it's it obviously is very and that, that another that's another thing. I, are, are we the way that we judge the the MVP race? Obviously, it's very unique. I mean, college football we have different awards as well, but it, it seems like MVPs go to quarterbacks and we see Offensive Player of the Year go to those position players like a Cooper Cup or like a Justin Jefferson. Is there any reason behind that? I mean, I know that you could... It's easy to give it to the quarterback. It's cliche in a way to give it to the quarterback. But we are, is it that far-fetched to say that we really could see Justin Jefferson getting the MVP? Because again, I mean, if you look at... You could easily say, well, Kirk Cousins is the guy throwing him the football, but... Kirk Cousins' only real big target is Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's come up with, I don't know how many games he's had double-figure receptions, but it's got to be somewhere, at least four or five games, I think, out of the ones that they've played, he's had double-digit receptions. He's been remarkable. Yeah. Now, yeah, now in the past, there have been other position players that have won uh, NFL MVP, including defensive players. Lawrence Taylor has won it. Um, but, again, the the, the statistical... Uh, landscape of quarterbacks is just so so enormous and out there 
and you just can't uh, look at anything other than that. If if a receiver would have won in uh, NFL MVP, it would have been last year with Cobb. I mean, he had he had statistics off the charts, and yet he was third in the MVP voting. Um, yeah, I read a book one time where uh, Frank Gifford of the New York Giants uh, won NFL MVP in 1956. The Giants won the NFL title that year. It was their third title. And he said in his in this book uh, that the the MVP was no big deal. It always went to an offensive player. He said that he didn't. There wasn't an award ceremony, and they went and picked it up at some guy's apartment, and that that was the end of it. Wow. Yeah, I, I, that's so interesting how much things have changed in, in terms of, you know, awards and, and money, obviously, uh, another thing. But speaking of Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature, continuing our conversation, our pro football scope, if you will, are the Browns. You mentioned those games on, on Saturday, some of the big ones, including the Dolphins and Bills. Browns and Ravens. Uh, what are the expectations going into that game? The Browns are favored. No Lamar Jackson for that one. Is this a game that the Browns should absolutely win in your mind? Uh, staff members every week, we have to pick winners. We have to provide a score. We have to provide a write-up. That comes out the, the day of the game. I'm predicting uh, 37 to 13 Ravens. Oh, wow. I don't wow. Okay. who's the quarterback. I don't think who's the quarterback. Um, the offense is just absolutely tanked. The Browns' offense has scored a total of 16 points for two games. When you average eight points a game, you're not going to beat many teams. And I just think that they're, uh, they're just a, a, a fire sale right now. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they just got ran over by Baltimore. With Deshaun Watson on your roster too, obviously, and we've talked about it, there, there is that pressure. How would you judge the first two games? I know we talked about last week him being a little bit rusty, but after going against the Bengals, I mean, statistically he wasn't terrible there 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 was some good and there was some bad though at, at the same time is there anything that stands out from these two games and watching him aside from him just being a little bit rusty you know it's strange how you can play and against an opponent and then the next time you play them it the the complete different outcome ends up in the game when we played cincinnati at home uh earlier we completely dominated the Bengals on offense, defense, and special teams. Well, it flipped this game. We couldn't run the ball, which Cleveland is a running team. We couldn't throw the ball. Uh, we had penalties, uh, you know, just everywhere it seems like. In fact, we had two penalties that it was on a third and long, and if it wasn't for the penalty, the Bengals were sitting their punt team out. Both penalties resulted in first downs and both drives ended up being being points the the browns lost by 13 points so you figure it out yeah certainly it is little things when it comes down to you know the, the, whether it be a divisional and, and, game or whatnot and, and joe and joe burrow was sterling he was just spot on and another thing i noticed in that game is jamar chase had i think 116 yards they never he never got beat uh beat the browns deep but I saw a, some video clips of him. They were giving him 12-yard cushions every time because of his speed. They yeah. were so scared to death that he was going to beat them deep. So what they were doing was giving uh, Jamar Chase five, seven, 11-yard catches, 
Well, all that mounts up to, to a huge amount by the time the game. He doesn't have to beat you deep if he's getting eight yards a clip. Yeah, that is a spectacular point. And in that game, he not only had a lot of yards, he had 10 receptions as well to go along with it. And when you're giving a guy that much space, plus that was another thing too is there was no T. Higgins. He got hurt during warmups, and then Tyler Boyd got hurt like the second play of the game as the ball hit his hand and he was out. So there was just one guy. Hayden Hurst has been out too for the Bengals with with, with an injury. Right. So they were Joe Burrow's been so good, and I he's been talked about in the MVP conversation. I think he could eventually get there, but I I, I just think that Jalen Hurts and Mahomes are playing so good right now, and, and Justin Jefferson to to your point as well. Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature joining the Sports Drive now. Uh, Todd McShay had a mock draft that, that that came out. Obviously, the Browns don't have a first-round pick, and we're starting to see the impact of that with, one, the NFL draft coming up where they don't have a pick, and then Deshaun Watson uh, coming in to start, now f- finally playing after that uh, deal was made. What is the outlook of the Browns going into this offseason, if you will? In all likelihood, not going to make the postseason, it seems like. What do you think the direction is for the franchise in the draft, I mean, how is the cap situation going to be? And we'll get into this a little bit more as time continues to go on, but what's the outlook of that right now for them? Well, right now the Browns have a 1% chance of making the playoff. 1%. Uh, last week they had a 3%. And of course, they lost to the Bengals. Uh, they're, they're, pretty, they're mathematically in it, but they're pretty much out of it. Um, I think they need to focus on defense. And, um, you know, against Joe Burrow and against all these other teams, they have found that you can run on the Browns. Mm. When we played the Chargers in week five, they were the 29th worst rushing team, and they they ran for 216 yards. They go right up the gut. The Browns play a lot of 4-2-5, which means you play two linebackers. Well, in playing two linebackers, you don't have a middle linebacker. Your linebackers are gapped between the guard and the tackle on each side. But what that does is that provides a big opening in the middle. So all you have to do is take care of the, the guys on the, the line, pull a guy to take out a linebacker, and you're 17 yards downfield before you know it. The Browns definitely are going to have to go defensive tackle and do middle linebacker and do something that's going to be right up the gut. Yeah, it, it, it's it's going to have to be one of those games. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um Steelers quarterback situation is interesting. Kenny Pickett is down. George Pickens at one point is irritated because he's not getting enough targets. Deontay Johnson has said, look, if it's not going to be Kenny Pickett, I want Mason Rudolph to get a shot. They're basically done in terms of the playoffs as well. They still technically have a chance, but is there any concern with how the Steelers are kind of handling this situation at quarterback? Obviously, Kenny Pickett being in there. Trubisky came in for Kenny Pickett, who was out and struggled. Mason Rudolph's kind of just there, but what happens if he struggles as well? I mean, there's, I don't know if Kenny Pickett is even the answer. Have you seen enough from Pickett to say, yeah, it, it makes sense why he could be the starter for years to come in Pittsburgh? Or it seems like people are still kind of on the fence and as to whether or not he can be a franchise guy or not. Well, it's hard to fault uh, Mason Rudolph for being a little bitter. I mean, he 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 only signed a one year contract extension last year and he was expected to compete for the starting job um but he got completely lost in the shovel in training camp between um the other two quarterbacks especially the rookie you know and when you're trying to to win a starting position and they draft a quarterback in the first round 
then he may not start this first year, which he did, but he's going to start the second year. So uh, right now, it, you know, Pickett's in the concussion protocol. Rudolph is back in the picture, and he's taking the opportunity to get um, – I don't know. It seems like he's a little petty about the team that doesn't seem to want him. He was right. quoted as saying – this is what he said. I love this team. Pause. Well, at least my teammates. <laughs> what a uh... – and even when, when Mason Rudolph has played, he, he hasn't been that great either. Let's be totally honest. He, he's been inconsistent. Um, so they, they're, there's an interesting situation there, especially given the Browns have Deshaun Watson, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, the Bengals have Joe Burrow. There's, there's some pressure on the Steelers to make sure that Kenny Pickett either develops or they got to figure it out quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be behind the eight ball uh, in regards to what they've got. There, there was some uh, talk as well with Thursday Night Football. You know, is it going to be Brock Purdy again? All the situations surrounding San Francisco. Brock Purdy is the guy. Uh, for this matchup tonight, Seahawks and 49ers, Barry, I, I feel like this is a a really important matchup for both teams. For Brock Purdy to showcase again that, that he can be a guy to, to, to look out for. Maybe whether it be the 49ers job next year or whether it be somewhere else, to be honest with you. And then Seattle, after that bad loss to Carolina last week. They have a chance to rebound and get a big-time win over a divisional opponent. Who who do you see winning this game? And have you how impressed have you been with Brock Purdy, or uh, have you have you been impressed at all? I guess with what he's done since coming in for Jimmy G. It's been an amazing story. He's Mister Irrelevant. I don't think uh, any Mister Irrelevant has ever made an NFL uh, roster before, and here he is going to be starting in a Thursday night game for a, a definitely a playoff caliber team. I think the 49ers are uh, a dangerous, dangerous team. Everybody's talking about the Eagles at 12 and one, and the Cowboys at 10 and three, and the Vikings at 10 and three. But for my money, I'm picking the the 49ers to meet somebody in the NFC Championship game. Uh, Birdie's, you know, he's just filling in for Jimmy G. It's not quite sure if Jimmy G will be able to come back this year or not. At first, um, it was said that he was out for the year, and now they're talking about only. Uh, maybe five to six weeks. We'll see about that. But Purdy is an, is an amazing story, and um, he'll be starting against the Seahawks tonight. Yeah, now, it, that's going to be in in Seattle. So that's going to be you know electric, loud, cold, windy, and um, you know overcast. Absolutely right. And, and real quick before we get to your idiom, if if you got one, I I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week that teams like the Saints and some of these others that have quarterback questions, I would really take a look at Brock Purdy potentially. I mean, he might not even, he might be, he's showcasing he's good enough to start on a team. I mean, why would you not take a look at him where you know he's got NFL production as opposed to chasing a rookie in the draft? I mean, the Saints could look at that or a guy like Jordan Love, younger. He's There's been a report out there that if he's not the starter in 2023, he could request a trade. And there's been, in the game that he came in for Aaron when he got hurt, he looked pretty good as well. So is that something to monitor, do you think, for obviously not the Browns, but a team maybe like the New Orleans Saints or maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers or maybe the Carolina Panthers? Again, another one, Baker Mayfield potentially even as well based on what he did last Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another team to look at is maybe the Las Vegas Raiders. I think Derek Carr is going to be on his last year. And so they're going to be looking for somebody to fill that void, whether they draft somebody or bring somebody in like Jimmy G or, or, Tom Brady. or Purdy. 
Tom Brady yeah. was. And, um, that, that, I can't believe by by the way, real quick, Barry, that, that Tom Brady is brought up by by going back to New England. I think he'd go to Vegas, maybe because there was a a chance that that actually could have happened earlier. Or or I think maybe San Francisco says, you know what, we have a chance to get Tom. We're going to bring him in. Absolutely. Do you have an idiom for us today? I do. I'm going to tell you where the word coach came from. Great. Um, in the in the 1400s, a coach was a fancy horse-drawn vehicle which transported people. Now, these were first designed and built in the village of Cokes, Hungary, and were the first to offer a steel spring suspension, which provided a smoother ride than other wagons and buggies and coaches that were available. Now, these were especially popular by the French and English, and they referred to them by the Hungarian town, and they called the Hungarian town coach. Now, in 1830, Oxford University used the word coach as a slang description of a tutor who carried a student just like a horse-drawn coach. Now, in 1860, that became the term for a person who could educate and carry his team. That's phenomenal how it all started by the horse-drawn carriage. It's remarkable where people get these names from. But, hey, you know what? They they stick, and if if you hear coach nowadays, the first thing you think of is sports, I think, and then then, then you may go to the secondary definition, which would be the the horse-drawn carriage. Barry of Dogs by Nature, you can check out all of his stuff at dogsbynature.com or Pro Football Scope. A blast, as always, Barry, to have you on. Have a great weekend, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, Yeah, and stay warm. Yeah, you as well. You as well.